Hello, and welcome to the first episode of 3Pete. I am your host, Josh Fromowitz, and I am joined with, with me, my co-host, Stephen Bernazzo, Alex Castle. In our inaugural, inaugural episode, we are going to discuss football. But to start things up, we got to mention the Last Dance documentary that came out this past Sunday. Did you guys watch it? And what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely, Josh. Come on. As a Bulls fan, I mean, I was going to watch it regardless, especially during this quarantine and pandemic. When there's something new that's live with sports, I'm going to tune in. But it was definitely a well-done, a well-produced um, documentary. And that was just the first two episodes, obviously. So I'm looking forward to the when there's like what ten total episodes or yeah it's ten episodes, um to a night so yeah I can't wait for this upcoming Sunday for the next two, and just seeing all the players um like current NBA players or even some former ones their reactions to it that was pretty awesome too. Yeah no I I agree with Steve um it's it's a great treat for us that we get to watch this you know this was something that was supposed to come out in the summer. Um, and, you know, obviously with the quarantine, with us being stuck, it's, it's great that ESPN is giving a, a, little bit, uh, a little bit of taste of sports. I mean, you know, even though it's not live sports, you still get to see the highlights of the 80s and 90s bowl teams. And, yeah, you know, I really think it's a great documentary. I mean, even though we're only two episodes in, it really shows you what this championship team was like. And the fact that, you know, a camera crew uh, was allowed – uh, for this last season, which was a, where a lot of this footage is coming from. You know, it, it's a real behind the scenes access that I don't think sports fans get a lot of the time. That's what makes this documentary special. I agree with yeah. you. Um, just because, especially that last season, there was so much, you know, tension and um, like drama between, say, Scottie Pippen, the general manager, Jerry Krause, um, Phil Jackson, you know, they said that was his last year. So obviously, and plus, we weren't even alive for that. You know, we weren't uh, born for it. So we just see all the, you know, all the Bulls won six rings, but you don't know what it was actually like. Um, you know, we have a good idea, you know, like kind of when Kobe won his championships, a little bit like, of, you know, what when that, what happened there, the Heat, you know, when they won their two-peat, um, went back-to-back. So you get an idea of that. But for us to see what happened with the Bulls and that dynasty is pretty cool and pretty eye-opening. Um, I love just seeing Jordan and his mentality and how that kind of transformed to Kobe and his mentality and later, later LeBron. So it's very like fascinating to see. But one thing like that I do love talking about and hearing people talk and argue about is the classic uh, LeBron or MJ discussion. So I ask you guys, who is the GOAT? I listen, no disrespect to LeBron. I, Respect LeBron very much. I love his game. I love his attitude. I love how he's just—he's just a great guy, great person. He does a lot for the community. But on the court and just for the career, I gotta go MJ. Um, really, Michael Jordan established—you know—what it is like to be the best player in the league. I mean, especially why do you think LeBron and all these guys wear twenty-three because of Michael Jordan? I mean, plus Michael Jordan. I mean, the Bulls weren't really like a like a good franchise, you know, before him. They didn't really accomplish anything. 
So when he won the six championships, now the Bulls are considered, you know, one of, or if not the best franchise within the league, obviously the Celtics and Lakers, but before then, you know, really the Bulls were not in that conversation. So because of Jordan, they, you know, moved and um, got to that level. So I, I got to go Jordan personally. You know, this, um, I feel like this is probably one of the most debated questions um, in all of sports. You know, two, two lottery picks in their drafts, you know, two guys who both came from different backgrounds, but both had the passion of basketball growing you know. Um, I've obviously watched LeBron more. I've seen what he's done more on the court. So, you know, I guess I could, I could honestly go with LeBron because of that. But however, within these first two episodes of the document, uh, of the documentary, I really got to see what type of player Jordan was on the court. I mean, you know, the comment that Roy Williams had made about, you know, he was the type of guy that could just flip the switch and just keep it on. You, you saw, you saw in his eyes and you saw on the court that when he was that it was a show for him that he was just going to get his heart out and do whatever he could to get the win. And that's just I feel like, you know, as Josh mentioned, that type of mentality has set the foundation for younger players to come, like Kobe Bryant and LeBron. So um, to answer your question, I really don't have an answer at the moment. You know, LeBron's still got time in his career left. There's still more of this documentary to watch with Jordan. Um, but if I had to give you an answer now, based off of everything, I would say more, uh, I would lean more towards Jordan for the GOAT. See, I agree. I personally do think Jordan is the GOAT for the reasons that you both have said. But let's play uh, some devil's advocate for a little bit. Um, we all know Jordan won because of Pippen and Rodman. And people could argue LeBron needed Kyrie because of the shot that he hit against the Warriors, or he needed Wade. But I don't know. Pippen is obviously a Hall of Famer. People are saying, like, Pippen probably could have won a championship on his own, like, if he was not on the Bulls. So I don't know. What, you guys, what do you guys think of, like, Jordan needing Pippen to win? Um, listen, Jordan – I mean, every player needs at least one other guy, you know, their guy. Um, it's tough to just, like, single-handedly carry, you know, a whole team from to the playoffs and then, you know, throughout the playoffs to a championship. Um, that's, that's tough because, you know, each – yeah, Scottie Pippen, some can argue, is better than, say, Kyrie or Kevin Love. But then how does he compare against D. Wade, you know? Like, Jordan didn't say, hey, get me this guy, get me that guy. LeBron kind of said, all right, let's go, let's team up. Or, you know, D. Wade, LeBron, and Chris Bosh agreed to team up, you know, and form almost like the first, like, super, super team, you know. Um, while Jordan was playing for the Bulls, but they just happened to draft Scott – or, they, you know, they – Technically, the Sonics, the Supersonics, drafted Pippen, and then the Bulls acquired the rights to him. But almost what if Scottie Pippen never played with Jordan? Would he be the same player? 
what you know Jordan could just made him that good, that much better, you know, because Scottie Pippen saw Jordan's mentality, the hunger, you know, um, and the drive that Jordan had, and you know that might have just pushed him. And Pippen, you know, he might have came in saying, "Listen, I want to be better than you, Jordan," you know. So then Jordan was almost like, "Hey, then get me," you know, let's go. Um, so I guess you know there's many theories or many different arguments. But I think, I think Jordan's, you know, I'm trying to word this. Um, I think Jordan, even though he had Pippen, he's still like, I don't think he needed him necessarily because I think whoever he had would have gotten, he would have pushed him to that next level while LeBron, not like, you know, cheated his way to one because obviously he didn't, but, you know, he pulls different guys like Anthony Davis or joins up with D. Wade and Bosch, so... That's just my opinion, though. I think when you look at the the Pippen Jordan duo, um, it, it was incredible. I mean, those two just worked together. It, it was a well-oiled machine, you know. Um, but when you separate the two, you have Jordan, who during Pip, Pippen's absence was the number one guy on the team. He was the guy that was pushing everyone in practices, screaming at guys, um, you know, because he felt that responsibility because here was Michael Jordan, the guy who revived the Chicago Bulls franchise. Um, And I think that part of that transpired into the relationship with Pippen. I mean, he openly said that Scottie Pippen was his favorite teammate and, you know, he was very upset with how Scotty handled um, leaving the Bulls. Uh, understandably, though, I personally think that Scotty Pippen had to do what he needed to do. I mean, the fact that he was the 123rd highest pay- player, paid player during that time on a team with Jordan was just ridiculous. But that's a, that's a whole other conversation. But um, to answer your question – I personally don't think Scottie Pippen could have won on his own. Don't get me wrong. I think Scottie Pippen was an extremely talented player, um, you know, was on one of the best sports teams in history. You know, he had a lot of impact. But I just feel like that connection that he had with Jordan and that environment just set him up to succeed on a whole nother level. Do I think Scottie could have controlled the team on his own and taken a team to the championship? Absolutely. Definitely talented enough. Definitely if he had the right players around him, he could have. But I think at the end of the day, you know, looking at how his career played out with the injuries and everything, I don't think he could have won a ring on his own now. All right. That's good. I agree with what you guys are saying. That definitely brings up some very good points. Uh, Do you guys have anything else that you want to share about uh, the documentary? I mean, listen – I love the Jordan documentary. I hope they make a LeBron one in the future and then we can compare, you know, those two. So we'll have to, I guess time will only tell. Yeah, no, um, I think it's a great documentary overall. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, it's definitely great to have this unprecedented access um, to the, to the Bulls team. You know, it's funny. Jordan said that people are not going to like me more after seeing this film. And listen, don't get me wrong. Jordan is, one of the greatest athletes of all time, but, you know, but, you know, um, I don't think that just because he's seen as this great athlete, 
that, you know, he should be praised 100%. I mean, you know, the stuff that he was saying, Krauss, about the documentary, about commenting if, you know, those were the pills that made him short, kept him shorter, if those were diet pills, you know, comments like that. That's the side of sports that we don't get to see too often. So I'm very curious to see how this documentary continues over the weeks. And like Steve said, a LeBron documentary one day would be great. Yeah. See, like, I wish there was a Kobe documentary, but obviously there can't be. But anyways, moving on. Uh, the draft is coming up this week. Starts Thursday, the 23rd, until Saturday, the 25th. Obviously, uh, we know since he has the first pick, and they're probably going to take Joey Burrow out of LSU. But there's other players that are certain that are uncertain. So to start things off, where do we think Tua is going to go? Oh, that is that's interesting, especially uh, you know from the latest reports of now three teams don't even have them on their draft board, which I find a little mm-hmm. ridiculous. Because I know he was hurt. But come on, this guy is a beast. He, you know, well, well, he played for uh, Alabama. He had Jerry Judy. He had Henry Ruggs. He had Devontae Smith. I don't, you know, whatever. You know, you can still have all those guys and not, if you're not a good quarterback, you're not going to do good, you know. But I I think he'll end up going with Miami. Um, I just, I see them, I see Miami as a good fit for him. And I, I think that Miami is still interested in him. They still want him as to be their guy, to be their franchise QB, you know, for however many years. Um, so, yeah, I think um, whether it's they trade up, they take him in five, or if they kind of, you know, maybe they trade down or they take someone else with five, then trade, you know, number picks 18 and 26 to move up to maybe like, 13 and taken there you know you, you don't know especially now that it's virtual anything can happen but I I think Tua's landing spot will be the Miami Dolphins um you know I'm not a big fan of Tua to begin with um listen don't get me wrong I definitely think this guy's is a is a talented quarterback um you know some analysts have gone as far as saying that you know the ceiling for him is very high he could reach Drew Brees potential um, but I definitely have some concerns with him, you know, the injury is still definitely concerning, even though he's fully, you know, even though he's recovered from that. Um, also you got to look at the system that he's been in. Nick Saban is arguably one of the best, um, coaches in college football history. I mean, look what he's done to the program. You know, this kid was set up, as you mentioned, Steve, to be with an, out, with, a, with an offense full of these loaded wide receivers. And, you know, to then get go into the professional league and get in, go into a system like Miami, who has been one of the worst teams in the league, although now that they have a much improved defense, we could see how they handle that. But, you know, I just don't know. I mean, I, if I had to say... I would say Miami would probably be his best landing spot. I think, you know, having a young quarterback with this team that they're clearly trying to do whatever they can to rebuild, I think it would be good. Um, I could also see him possibly going to San Diego, depending on what moves they make. I mean, you know, he would have uh, Keenan Allen as a great target. Um, He would also have Eckler, you know, great uh, great running back to work with. So I don't know. I, there's there's a lot of possibilities for him. 
I do not think he'll be, uh, I do not think he will uh, drop to all the way to the second round. I think there's too much hype around him. I definitely think he will get scooped up in the first round. Don't be shocked, though, if he's not a lottery pick. That's my final comment on uh, Tua. Do not be shocked if he does not get picked within the top I can, ten. I can agree with that. Um, no, I I definitely believe he's going to fall from, say, you know, the beginning of this past football season when he was – before Joe Burrow broke out and is now the, you know, uh, projected number one pick because Tua was – you know, he was a number one guy if he declared, which a lot of people had a good idea that he was. And before he got injured, um, he was the number one QB coming into, you know, this draft class. So, um, but because of the injury, because of Joe Burrow, you know, having that breakout historical year of any college football player, um, now that's, you know, and then Herbert, he took it, you know, like a lot of people have been high on him from day one. So now there's a lot of different factors that are coming into play that are, you know, there's a reason why now Tua could see his name fall um, and not get called as high as he uh, would like. So definitely interesting to see. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that he was ahead of Tua, Steve, uh, because before the season started and before Joe Burrow, like, had his historic year, he was, I think, projected to go in the sixth round by all the mock drafts, which is just crazy to think about now. And Tua, yeah, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And But when he is on the field, the production that he has produced is crazy. Like, he still has won a national title, which obviously not many quarterbacks can say that they have. Um, but I don't know. The big question, obviously, is if he'll stay healthy. Um, and he's saying he is, but that's no team can confirm that because they can't see him in person. But I think if a team were to take him, it would probably be the chargers. I think what might happen is they try to trade up ahead of like, let's say the giants or the dolphins and try to take him at four or five. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's very, you know, realistic possibility to happen. Um, I know the lions, I don't think the lions want to stay at three. I think they want to, use that pick to get more picks. Um, they want to use that leverage that, hey, you know, you can jump in front of the Dolphins at five because, they, you know, the Dolphins more than likely will take a quarterback in the first round, especially at that number five pick. Um, you know, and they're like, who knows, the Giants, they may take a quarterback. You know, they've been doing all this research on Justin Herbert. I think that's just for the Giants' case that so they can trade down. Um or so, you know, another team won't take Isaiah Simmons, like the Lions, maybe a three. You know, who knows? Um, but so, yeah, the, the Chargers could, you know, trade up with the Lions at three, get to, uh, you know, but then give up half their draft, you know, assets, you know, like a second round, a third round, you know, maybe a future uh, first or second round pick. So that could happen. See, but go ahead, Josh. See, like, I don't know if it's worth it for the Lions trading, though, because, like, they're set right now on taking Akuda. They know that they need a corner. They they Slay wants out. Um, He's already traded. Oh, yeah. He went, he left. Yeah. See, that. so, okay, even even still, they lost their top corner. I so mean, they still, have that, they still have that open. They need a corner, so they might as well just take Akuda. They don't need a corner. They don't need a quarterback. They don't. 
They might need well, Simmons. And- it's that's, you know, you do want to take like, especially when you find your guys, like, so say the Lions guys, Okuda, you know, yeah. and you say we want Okuda, but if you could trade down just like two spots and you know, the dolphins are going to take a quarterback. There's no way they take like Okuda at, Okuda at five. And there's no way the giants, the giants are either taking Isaiah Simmons um, alignment or they're moving down. So like if the lions just even move from three to, I think the Chargers have what pick six, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, so if you move that, you can gain so many more picks and probably still get Okuda. Um, but it's, it is a risk because the chargers, you know, I mean, they don't need a corner after signing Chris Harris. Mm-hmm. They already have what Casey Hayward, Desmond King. Um, they have a great secondary. They, they don't need Okuda, but you know, it's just you really don't know because you could trade down and then it could, you know, bite you, you know, and then you miss out on the guy that you've been wanted who's on top of your draft board. But I don't – I think the Lions, you know, I mean, listen, I'm a Bears fan, so I hope the Lions take, like, Derek Brown or something like that. But um, but if, you know, not being biased or anything and, you know, looking at – looking at it at a smart view, I think they should trade down a little bit, not too much, but gain a lot of draft assets. So they can use that to trade for either a guy who's already established in the league or, you know, just take a bunch of different guys since they have quite a few holes to fill. So Alex, I'm going to single you out here because I know you're a Giants fan. Um, I saw a report and I'm pretty sure you saw it also saying the Giants could possibly get Justin Herbert. Thoughts? on that <laughs> well considering that we drafted daniel jones at the sixth pick last year when he was projected to be a, I believe like 18th or 19th by the broncos it's absolutely ridiculous josh i mean yes jones did not have an outstanding rookie year but he he, he was it was solid the numbers that he put up i was very happy i know most giants fans were very happy he, he has made a great relationship with wide receiver Darius Slayton, who, in my opinion, was a huge sleeper pick. I mean, he is a very great receiver. I think if the Giants uh, can hold on to him, he'll go on to doing great things. But it's absolutely ridiculous that they're even um, entertaining the idea. Now, look, if, if Gettleman wants to, to have this pick as a smoke show to, to try to switch – you know, picks, fine. But the fact that, you know, Judge has been having FaceTime calls with him and that he's been extensively scouted by the Giants is very concerning because at at the fourth pick right now, we should be taking Simmons. It should be a no-brainer. This guy ran a 4.39 at the Combine. You know, he's compared to – you know, they they compare this guy to an an Army Swiss knife the way that he strips balls – from from guys on offense so yes I do see why a lineman would be beneficial um and I wouldn't be totally unhappy with we took if we took a lineman at the fourth pick even though the last time we had a lottery pick we took flowers and as the three of us know we all know what happened to Eric Flowers um so if I'm Gettleman I'm either taking Simmons at the fourth pick or I'm trading a little bit down for a line yeah that's definitely that's probably your best option. I I think you gotta take Simmons. You gotta they gotta take Simmons. Um, you know, I, like Joe Judge in his interviews, 
he's been preaching, you know, we need our guys to be versatile. You know, we need them to be able to say cover, but also pass a rusher. They need to do a few different things. So. And that's what Simmons can do. He can exactly. play on the field and he can be a huge impact. Exactly. So I think, you know, but they, you know, they did take Saquon and Daniel Jones with, you know, back-to-back years. Um, so your two key offensive franchise, you know, QB and running back. So yes, you do need to protect them. Um, but this, this old line class is deep. I mean, this whole draft class is deep. You could probably find day one starters in the, you know, fourth, fifth round, which, you know, some in past years, obviously there are players that, you know, are now pro bowlers and, you know, starters that were picked there, but more than, you know, in most cases, those guys have to work their way up um, or it takes, you know, an injury to a starter for them to get their chance. But these guys in this class, they can go out day one and I think start for most teams. Yeah, I think Isaiah Simmons has potential to be a pro bowler, maybe even his rookie year. This guy's going to be a stud. I personally think he might be the best player in the draft. Um, I know people think it's – either him, Chase Young, Joe Burrow. I just think with his size and speed, running the same 40 time as Zach Taylor, who ran the fastest time as a running back, I think it's just crazy how quick he could get to the ball. And like Alex said, he's a Swiss Army knife on defense. I I have never seen anything like this. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong. I think Chase Young is going to be have a great future. But I just think what Simmons could do at that linebacker position is unheard of. And it'll be crazy if the Giants pass on him. Yeah, Chase Young, the thing with him is you can triple team Chase Young. And, you know, obviously that allows other guys to be able to get to the quarterback or you hope. But if he's going to triple team, what else can he really do? Isaiah Simmons, if you don't have him, you know, rush the passer, all right, well then put him in the secondary and have him cover – you know, the tight end or whatever, you know, he can cover and then like you can, but you can trust him to cover, you know, or play zone or whatever, you know, Chase Young, it's like almost, all right, buddy, like go get us, you know, five sacks per game, you know, Um, but I'm sure Chase Young, you know, he can cover here and there, but he's not like Chase, uh, not like Isaiah Simmons. So another big topic with this year's draft class is the talent of the wide receiver class. A projected six wide receivers are supposed to go in the first round and a total of 12 by the end of the third round. So who do we think will have the best career at, when it's all said and done? So I'll start off. I think CeeDee Lamb. He's right now. It's him, Ruggs, or Judy that will be the first wide receiver taken off the board. Um, but it's just with his his size and strength and speed makes for – something every team wants in that wide receiver like being as physical as a guy like let's say a julio jones or michael thomas is like what every team wants and as a jet fan i'm very excited and i hope that we could take him because he will help out darnold um i agree with you i think cd lamb you know could easily be the best uh receiver that came out of this class but I'll offer uh, a different, you know, uh, view. Um, many might think I might go with Judy or Ruggs, but I'm going to go Justin Jefferson. Um, because just 
his ability to catch the ball, get, I mean, he, he runs, you know, some sharp, you know, routes. Um, and obviously so does Judy, but I just, I think he has a biggest upside uh, potential. Look at, I mean, look at this year. If it wasn't for him and um, Jamar Chase for Burrow, Burrow probably wouldn't have had the year that he had. Um, so, like, I mean, he had over 100 catches this year. I mean, that is just – that's crazy, especially for college, you know. Um, when, like, in college, you know, they used to run the ball a lot. Uh, but, like and, – and he's going against some tough competition – in the SEC. It's not like he plays, you know, in the American conference or even, you know, the ACC is not, you know, it's not the toughest, you know, he got Clemson, but besides Clemson, you know, the U is not what it used to be, but, um, so he's gone against, you know, great competition and I just, he's got good size, good. I mean, he just kind of has good treats all around. Um, and I know he definitely, he wants to just keep striving and, you know, keep getting better day by day. So, um, so it'll be interesting to see where, but also depends what team, you know, he goes to, if he goes to a team like Philly, you know, he's got a great quarterback in Wentz, so that could work out. But if he goes to, you know, depends, I don't know, it, it depends, but I think Jefferson could, uh, easily have, uh, put up great numbers and have a hall of fame crew. It's unfair though. Cause like this guy has potential in another draft class. He would be the best wide receiver. But with this draft class, he's the fourth best. So yeah. he's kind of overlooked. And who knows? He can be that guy. I've seen him play. Like, he's nasty. Yeah. But it's, those, o- it's those overlooked guys that make the best stories. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you're saying that this guy is the fourth best receiver. Fine. You know, you pick Judy and you pick all these other guys. He can end up being the, the real stud. So, mm-hmm. I definitely respect um, out of Steve's selection. Me personally, I'm you know going to keep it simple. My guy is Judy. Um, watching what he did at Alabama with Tua, absolutely incredible. The guy was uh, averaging 15 yards per reception, had 77 on the year. Um, he's just he's just a great example of a guy that you can really rely on for the deep ball game. And I think that's what a lot of teams are going to look for. You know. More and more younger guys are coming into the league. As we know in college football, the long ball is what it's what makes the game so exciting. And that's and the fact that that is part of Judy's game coming into the league where you're going up against uh, you know, defensive backs that are twice the size of the guys that he's going up against um in college football, I think makes him really special. Um I know that there have been talks that, you know, teams want to trade up for this guy. I think if Denver can trade up and get him, that'll be huge for Denver. Um, you know, I'm not really sure what their quarterback situation is going to be like. You know, Drew Locke, I'm assuming he's still going to be their guy now that Flacco's no longer with the team. Mm-hmm. And I think you got, you know, Locke working with him. You could be looking at a very, very nice offense. Um, so, yeah, I think Judy's going to be the guy that's really going to uh, seal the deal at, at the receiver spot for the draft. I just want to throw another name out there who I've been following and I think can be a very good wide receiver. Um, There's a guy out of Penn State, K.J. Hamler. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He's an undersized wideout, but uh, he's compared to guys like Deshaun Jackson, Marquise Brown, who was drafted last year. He's got a lot of talent and a lot of skill, but and he could 
could have been like the best receiver in like a different draft year, except this year with the amount of uh, receivers that are going to be taken. He's the ninth best uh, receiver. So I don't know if you guys know who he is or have heard of him, Steve. Oh, I, uh, I know as a Wisconsin fan and, you know, I, uh, I do, I just, you know, follow college football constantly. So I've seen quite a few uh, of his highlights and yeah, he, he can take it, you know, a little slant that is five yards and he can bring it another, you know, 95 yards to the house. Uh, So he is definitely special. The only thing that might hurt him is his size. Um, It's not like, you know, because guys that are 5'10", 5'11", are considered undersized. He's, what, 5'9", you said, right? Yeah, 5'8", 5'9", yeah. So, um, but I know that, you know, the height doesn't, is not going to stop him. He's been, you know, he's been small his whole life, like a tree Cohen, you know, he's five, six. Um, and he still goes out and he, you know, breaks tackles. He invades guys and he, you know, he's a pro bowl selection a few years now. So, um, so that won't stop him. Uh, and plus two with Penn state, they haven't had the most consistent quarterbacks. And I mean, they did have Trace McShorley, but, Shirley. but now, you know, this past year he didn't have, because uh, Tommy Stevens transferred to Mississippi State, so then they were working with, um, you know, a few different quarterbacks. So now if he gets drafted by a team that has, uh, you know, like what if he goes to a team like the Packers and he's playing with Rodgers? Or, yeah. you know, I mean, so, but his speed is, I mean, his speed is deadly. They, like, whatever team gets him, you've got to util- utilize the speed. And almost that his smaller height might help him, you know? Yeah, because, like, it could be a very good punt returner and a kick returner, as well yep. as a slot, as well as a slot receiver. Any quarterback who could throw that slant route, you've got a speed demon. Oh yeah. Like I don't want to say he's gonna go here, but like we all know in past years, Brady is known for throwing slants and short routes. Imagine like teaming him up with uh, KJ Hamler and Brady. That could be scary. Already with Mike Evans. Yeah, Godwin, you know, Godwin, yeah. I mean, they, yeah, I mean, they don't have Paramount anymore. True. <laughs> Isn't he with your guys now, Josh? He's a jet. Oh, now. yeah, he's a, he's a jet. So they need let a slot ask, receiver. Yeah, so let me ask you. So uh, as a Jets fan, you know, Robbie Anderson signing a two-year $20 million deal with Carolina, mm-hmm. um, which personally I did not see happening. But now that Bridgewater's into the picture, they also do have that guy from the XFL, PJ Walker, who I don't know if you guys know anything about that story. Great story. That's a great story. So it's going to be very interesting to see the competition um, in Carolina. But Josh, so Sam Darnold, now look, I love knocking the Jets, you know, you know, but I do respect the Jets as an organization. Sam Darnold, number two pick in his draft, first quarterback. Um, the, that the Jets have seen potential in in a while. Mm-hmm. Do the Jets need to focus on building the offense up more so there's less pressure on guys like him and Lev Bell? Or do they start to build a defense around Jamal Adams, who's rumored to been having some struggles with the team, saying he'll sit out if a contract doesn't go his way? Josh, what's your feeling on how the Jets draft? Um, so I want to start off with, talking about the Jamal Adams thing. I don't think Jamal's going anywhere because Jamal, as well as management, want him to stay long-term. 
So I really think that's just a lot of noise that's going on, but I don't see it being a problem. Um, and as a Jeff fan, like there's two options that we could go. And I don't think defense is one of them. It's either drafting an O-line to protect Darnold and Bell or giving him that wide receiver target. And the thing is, there's just so much talent and depth in this draft with both the receivers and O-line that I don't think it really matters who we take with our first pick because if whatever problem we don't address in the first round, we'll address in later rounds because we have multiple picks in like the third round. So if we want to take an O-line like uh, Becton or worse, if he slips, then in the third round, we could take another guy who could still be around. But uh, if it were up to me and I was like on that uh, call with the Jets organization, I would want to take C.D. Lamb if he's available. All right, so now this, now I have this question. Um, Jamal, like you said, you don't think he'll be traded, but it is he is a possible draft day trade, which would be a big one. Mm-hmm. But what are other realistic guys, you know, especially big names that could be traded on draft day, you think? Um, uh, for me, I think Yannick Nagakwe – uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I don't know if you guys saw his Twitter beef yesterday with the Jacksonville, it. and he did not hold back. Did not hold yeah, back that's not at really all. Too good to have going on right before the draft. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think he'll get shipped out somewhere, whether it's on the first day or second day. Um, you know, I don't know. It definitely wouldn't be with a team picking in the top. I would say fifteen picks. I think it'd be more like towards the end of the first round and more like early second round. Um, but it's, you know, he's a big name to watch, but he's, he's a great player. He's a great pass rusher. Um, and, you know, some teams now he may be helping himself, but also hurting himself by getting, you know, uh, tweeting all this, you know, and getting into an argument with the Jaguars right on social media um, because some teams might be like, Ooh, how, I don't know if I like this attitude. Do we want to trade for this guy and then sign him to a four-year extension worth $85 million, you know? And then some teams might be like, hey, he's helping our case out. We can get him for nothing, you know? So it's inter- interesting to see, but I think um, he won't be a Jaguar come Thursday, Friday. There's another guy I want to bring up who also is a Jaguar, Leonard Fournette. I was just going to um, bring him up, yep. I see that uh, Steve, your Bears are looking a lot, looking at him. And as a Bears fan, what's your reaction to that? Um, listen, if we can get him for like a six-round pick, basically what we <laughs> shipped Jordan Howard for, I'll do it. You know, we have a few. I'll, I'll do it. Um, but if they're asking for a second-round pick, no way. Um, I I love Montgomery. Um, I love Cohen, obviously. I think those two together are special. And they, if we just improve our O line with. That's why I want to use. Uh, if we can use one of our second round picks, get an old lineman, sure up that line. I think David Montgomery could be easily a thousand yard, you know, runner. Um, he had like eight hundred and you know eighty yards last year behind our O line that was one of the worst in the league. So he's got great vision. I mean, he is not easy to take down. After watching many games, he won't go down first guy. You know, it takes at least two, three guys um, to take him down. So. But like I said before, if the Jaguars want, you know, a six-round pick or a fifth round next year, 
and I guess it can't hurt. Um, you know, Forna is a great player in this league, so so that's that's my opinion. But we'll see what general manager Ryan Pace thinks of Forna and Coach Nagy. I think that that um, the Montgomery Cohen combo that you touched upon, Steve, is a very very uh, big point for this whole conversation. I mean, you know the. So- they're undersized, but they bring so much speed and so much versatility to your offense that I don't know if adding Fournette into the mix would really, um, you know, how that would work. I mean, yeah, Fournette's an incredible running back. He's put up some great numbers with the Jags, but the Jags are also slipping. And I think when you have a player like that with a team like that, he wants to change the scenery. Now, here's what I want to know from you guys. So as we know, the current situation – in Chicago, um, Nick Foles and Trubisky will be competing for the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Gardner Minshew is supposed to be the next one stepping up in um, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Do we now see the quarterback competition shift a little bit? Would there? Do we possibly see a Trubisky for net trade with some picks involved? I mean, that was. I have not. Um... I haven't really thought about that. That's interesting you say. Um, here's the thing. Ryan Pace took Trubisky number two overall just on, you know, about two years ago, now three. He, he knows that you know, maybe Mitch isn't the answer or the long-term solution, or he, you know, he's got to see more from Mitch. But I don't think he definitely wants to give up on him just yet. He needs to find his other guy to save his job before he gets rid of Trubisky. Um, so I don't think they'll trade Trubisky for Fournette and like a combo package like that. Now, could he draft a guy like Jalen Hurts, you know, somewhere early in this draft or take a guy like um, who's kind of underlooked, Anthony Gordon or, a, you know, QB in the middle rounds and kind of prep him to be the next guy and see what he can offer then maybe they'll get rid of Trubisky, but it's tough, especially when Trubisky was, and you traded up to get him at number two, it's tough to just write him off like that, you know? See, I think it's kind of good bringing in Foles to the Bears. I don't think a trade would happen. I think it's good to give him competition because the job was kind of handed to him early. He really hasn't had that competition, so maybe he hasn't been working as hard. Similar to what uh, – the Raiders are doing with Derek Carr, bringing in Mariota. And, like, no one knows who's going to be the starter. Like, it's good competition for them both. And maybe it'll just make them work even harder to be that number one quarterback and prove why Trubisky, like, got drafted at number two. There's a reason why. Exactly. I mean, and once again, as a Bears fan, I'm not trying to be biased here, but this is this is what I'm thinking. Um, or this is my uh, – why a lot of people, you know, they don't like Trubisky. Oh, he's the worst quarterback ever. No, he's shown potential that he could dominate in this league, that he could play in this league. But also, he, when he was drafted, he, the starting quarterback in that room, or the quarterback's room, was Mike Lennon, Mark Sanchez, who was at the end of his career when after the butt fumble, after everything that just completely derailed him and, you know, even though he had a few great seasons with the Jets, you know, he at that point in his career, he was just not the same Mark Sanchez Pro Bowl QB who led them to the AFC Championship. Good times. And then there was rookie Mitch Trubisky, 
you know, you wonder why Aaron Rodgers became so good because he learned under Ooh, Brett, Favre, Brett Favre or Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe or Daniel Jones, Eli Manning. You know, these guys are good because they're learning under Hall of Fame quarterbacks or guys who have won in this league. What has Mike Lennon done in this league? Now, could have – I personally in that draft wanted Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson did so much at Clemson. He won. He knew what it took. Trubisky, obviously, only started Martin one Holmes. year. Um, well, I mean, Mahomes, now you say that. But at the time, <laughs> at the time, you really did not know that Mahomes was going to be this Mahomes. And that's why I, I don't like – you know, that's why I can't take when everyone's like, oh, you passed over Mahomes and Watson. It's like, yes, Watson we knew. Watson, Watson knew what he was going to be. Exactly. You know, I can say, all right, fair. You know, Watson started many years for Clemson. He won a national championship. He played another one, lost, what, by a touchdown? You know, like, yeah, was a close game. Um, but Mahomes, what did he do? You know, just threw for a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, but also a lot of interceptions. But he didn't really win in college, you know? So I don't like those people that say that. So the thing about Mahomes, though, Texas Tech is not – a Clemson they're not a Alabama like I mean you kind of took the risk with Trubisky because UNC is not a football school it's not it's not um so I mean that's kind of the same argument then in a way it like, is but Mahomes I think definitely had he, some hype out of coming out of the combine and like the Chiefs saw something in him and they traded up to get him at 10. He also he had did. some big time games against some big time players. I mean, look at the battle that he had with Baker at Oklahoma. Yeah. And Mahomes' father was also, I believe, a professional baseball player. He was. So he had so look, you know, he 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 had some special talent in his blood. I mean, I, I completely agree with, with Steve though, you know. The the team should not get knocked. Like, sure, the Knicks could have drafted Steph Curry. Now that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> the Knicks don't even get me started about the Knicks. But, you know, I think that when you – yeah, these guys have talent at the time. But at the end of the day, teams got to do what they, what they feel is best, whether that's the right decision or not. So I, I definitely agree with that, that, yeah, Mahomes was passed on. But, again, you, don't, you didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know how he was going to fit in this, in this system with, with Andy Reid. You know, yeah, he, he ended up doing incredible. And, you know, the, this whole conversation kind of raises the question about another quarterback that we didn't touch upon, a quarterback that I think could be – that I think is considered top five in this draft, Jalen Hurts. You know, a lot oh, of people are question, you know, question him because of his journey with Alabama, <laughs> leaving, having this incredible season with Oklahoma. With him, you know, our teams – going to pass on him because of that or do teams that have these good systems like the new england patriots who have produced hall of fame quarterbacks do they take the gamble I, know, listen i think he's worth the gamble he's, he's yeah. definitely a hundred percent worth the gamble and to me i don't even think it's a gamble he I'm, you could say, oh, yeah, he went to Alabama and Oklahoma. They've been winning programs even before he entered college. All right, but he kept that up, you know. He still won wherever he went. He won, you know, oh, well, he didn't win that national championship. Tua had to come in. Okay, but he still brought them there, you know. He still – but also, too, I love about him, when he got benched for Tua, 
all he did was support and make sure Tua was able to exceed expectations, do what he needed to do to make sure that Tua became and took, you know, uh, took a step to the next level. Um, and then when he went to Oklahoma, that's a completely different offense than uh, Alabama. You know, I mean, the Big 12, there is no defense played. It is just Hail Mary, Hail Mary. You know, like it's a lot of passing involved. And he picked, you know, and he was, and Hurts was uh, known more for his legs. And they used his legs a lot, but he also threw for a lot of yards, a lot of touch. I mean, Jalen Hurts, he was really underlooked in this Heisman um, race this year. I thought in most years, he could have probably even won. You know, and same with Jonathan Taylor, but that's, an, <laughs> that's another discussion. But Jalen Hurts could have easily won in some – the year Derrick Henry won, I think Jalen Hurts could have won easily, you know. Um, so I think this guy's got a lot of talent. He has one of the best attitudes I've seen from a college uh, prospect yet. Um, so, and I think he has all the traits that he needs to succeed at the next level. Um, will a team gamble on him for sure, but I just don't know if I'm sold on him being the guy because yeah, he had a, he was good in college with two systems. Don't get me wrong. Like he had a great college career, but I just see him being the next RG three, like a good system for him would be the Ravens. And they use him like they used RG3 this year as a running quarterback in an option with minimal passing. But I, I don't know. I'm just not sold on him being a quarterback because he primarily uses his legs. And, yeah, Lamar Jackson makes it work. But he's a rare exception. And he's I, also Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he's Lamar Jackson. But I, I don't know. I just see him being the next RG3. Like, RG3 had a great college career. So much hype around him was draft number two and didn't really do anything. Injuries set him, set him back. I don't know. If you, if you want to uh, reassure yourself on that, watch the film and the highlights from the Oklahoma-Baylor game from this past year when they were down 28-3 to and he led that comeback and led Oklahoma to the win. You know? That was listen, an incredible game. That was. Listen. You know, Hertz made mistakes, you know, earlier in that game, and he costed his team that deficit. But he did not give up. He kept the right mentality, and he did what he had to do to lead his team to victory. Now, obviously, it's a lot harder to come back 28-3 to in the NFL than it is in college. But you can't – I mean, that's just tough in general. That is a big deficit to overcome. Yeah. But he, the, the thing I'm trying to say is – he just possessed all the right traits and plays. And, you know, he did everything he had to do the right way in order to lead his team to that victory. Um, and I think he basically it almost shadowed the Patriots' victory over the Falcons in the Super Bowl when they were down 28-3. to You know, he had that same Brady-esque mentality. You know, we want, we're talking about mentalities. You know, he's got it. Um, and I think he can almost, even if he doesn't start right away, he can almost um, affect other players with his mentality. Like, like God, that dude, that like that Jalen Hurts, like he knows what's up. Like he's, I, I want to be like him almost. You know, like let's work like him. Um, so, I, 
I personally, I'm going to root for him, uh, whether he goes to the Bears or not, unless if he goes to the Packers or Vikings or Lions, but <laughs> any other team, I will, you know, root for him. He's, he's definitely, he's got a lot of talent and he's got a lot of heart and I hope he does well. So why do you think someone like Tua is getting more hype than Jalen if they base, if Jalen was just as successful, if not more successful? I personally I think because Tua has been more flashy. You know, and I also think that I also – because look at it this way. This, Jalen Hurts was the guy, right? Tua came in to a situation where he brought Alabama championship in an overtime win. Immediately after that, you're going to say, wow, this is the guy that Alabama picked over Hurts. And I believe Tua was a freshman at the time when he won that championship. So right off the bat, you're going to have that. And I just think that, that this storyline was created for him. And I unfortunately think that even though, you know, Jalen let Tua do, do his thing, like Steve pointed out, and let Tua, you know, take the time to develop, which is great. But I think that really killed his stock because that was time that he was losing sitting on the bench. So at the end of the day, I think when it comes to Tua's hype, I just think it's because he was a starter in the system for longer. And I think because he came in as a freshman and took things, you know, in his own hands, I think that's why. Do I think he's the better quarterback out of the two of them? It's, it's tough to say, but I do think that, you know, with sports today, it's all about those flashy moments and those flashy players that really make people open up their eyes and say, wow. I can, I totally agree with you, Castle. Um, the minute he stepped in and won that game for Alabama over Georgia in the national championship, he just stole the hearts of the coaches, the, you know, his teammates and the fans, you know, and not that they, you know, then hated Jalen or like, ah, oh, get, you know, let's get rid of him. Um, but it was just like, Tua was their savior at the time. And then obviously Tua was a great quarterback though. You know, you can't, Tua, it's not like he just had that one, you know, big game or big, you know, second half and that, especially that last play that won them the game. You know, then he dominated the, you know, his sophomore season. Then he was dominating his junior season before he suffered that gruesome hip injury, you know. Um, so, but I think both quarterbacks, they both, you know, can do great things at the next level. They can, you know, get Pro Bowl selections. They can win at the next level. You know, just again, it depends on the situation that they go into, fall into, and it depends, you know, how they if they continue um, what they were doing in college to the next level and translate it, you know, translate it to the next level. So, but that's all I got for them too. <laughs> um, and I think that's all we have for uh, the first podcast, boys. Thank you for joining me. This was fun. Thank I appreciate you. It. I hope staying safe. I hope everyone who's listening at this is um, staying safe. You know, these are troubling times. I hope this podcast provides some some little light, and we'll try to keep uh, rolling out whatever sports stories we got coming for you guys. But uh, make sure to be ready for next week because we got a big show post, you know, NFL Draft 2020. So I know I'm going to be – I already had, you know, a lot to say today, but I'm going to have a lot more uh, come next week. All I'm saying is, guys, depending on how the Giants uh, draft, 
get ready for me to just go on a rant about Gettleman. That's all I'm saying is get ready for a major Gettleman rant. We might have to, de- we might have to cut the show into two if, if, if the Giants draft the way that I think they're going to draft. And if the Jets don't draft Robinson's guy, you know, Josh's guy, then he might not even be at the I show. I may not even be here. <laughs> um, so I guess you have to tune in next week to find out what will happen at the show but we plan on bringing you weekly episodes. So thank you all for tuning in to 3Pete.